Welcome back. It's season four of the Lindsay Morgan Snyder podcast. This season, we'll be talking to even more interesting people called by God to love and influence the most culture-shifting city in society. That's right, Hollywood. Why? Well, our old friend Plato plainly puts it, those who tell the stories rule the society. Or, as Lindsay likes to say, as goes Hollywood, so goes the culture. We invite you to come and listen in. We'll be talking to a group Lindsay likes to call Artists of Culture, people who have risked it all to have a kingdom influence in the storytelling business. We are act one, no editing kind of people, so if we say something silly, we laugh at ourselves and we move on. No performance necessary, not on this show. And now, welcome your host, Lindsay Morganstein. Welcome back. We are on episode two of season four of the Lindsay Morgan Snyder podcast. And I am beside myself excited about my guest today because she is a legend in Hollywood. She has been here for 40 years, 40 years as a Christian in Hollywood, which is was not cool 40 years ago at all. This is Miss Karen Cavell. She is a producer she is a co-owner of Joint Effort, a film production company. She's also a co-owner of a music production company with her husband, Jim. She's two darling sons. And I know without even asking her that she is most proud of her family here in LA, but she has done so many great things. And right now she's currently in development for a children's book and a children's TV show, TV series, which we're gonna talk about later. But the way I know Karen is through this nonprofit organization called the Hollywood Prayer Network. And y'all, I have to read you a quote from her bio about this organization. And then I'm gonna let her tell us a little bit more. But I was laughing so hard, Karen. I was laughing so hard when I read this because I'm like, girl, this is so true. She said, um, let's see here. I wrote it down, y'all, because I wanted to get it right. Um, she said, oh, it says in her bio, Karen also speaks and teaches around the country to people of faith, encouraging them to not hate Hollywood or boycott its products, but instead to pray for the people in the entertainment industry. <laughs> Karen, welcome to the show. I love that. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I'm really glad to be here. This is so fun. I would love for you to start out and tell us about the Hollywood Prayer Network. I just think it's so special here and a lot of people don't really know it's here. Well, I'll tell you, it started in a crazy way. My husband and I met at college. I had become a Christian in college and I was a theater producing major at USC. He was a music composition major and I was producing a musical Pippin and I hired him to be my musical director. So we got to be friends and we um, got out into Hollywood, started working here and suddenly realized, wow, this is a hard place to live and work. It's competitive, there's spiritual battle. I was, I was growing in my faith and thinking, I need more support here. So we decided to start looking for other Christians to start a prayer group. Well, it took a while in the early 80s and we finally found six other Christians. Started this prayer group with a dear friend who challenged us to do it, my friend Susie. And we started praying. That prayer group lasted 33 years. 
It was called Premise. We met our best friends through it. We met most of the years in our home. And then when it got too big for our little house, we had to go find a bigger place. And in that process, we realized we were supporting each other. We were praying for the industry. But there was still this gap between the church and Hollywood. We had one foot in each world as Christians in Hollywood. We had a foot in the church. We had a foot in Hollywood and both hated each other. <laughs> the church thought that Hollywood was evil, that if you go there, you'd lose your faith, that we were following our ego. I mean, so many parents, we would laugh at people who came out here and said, my parents told me, go to Hollywood, get a real job. It was just it was just nuts. And then on the other hand, Hollywood hated the church because we boycott them. We point fingers at them. We throw out our televisions. I mean, we do crazy things to show you guys are all horrible. And so I thought, what can I do to build a bridge between Hollywood and the church? I can't get Hollywood to like the church, but <laughs> I believe if you pray for somebody, you can't hate them. So I thought, if I get people in the church to pray for the people in Hollywood, regardless of how they feel, as they pray, the Lord will start melting their hearts and they'll stop hating them. So 20 years ago, this month, I'm not this month, this year, in August of 2001, I started the Hollywood Prayer Network. And my whole goal at the time was to just get Christians to pray for the people in Hollywood so that we can build a bridge and get more Christians here and get a community here of people who can make an eternal difference. It's for Christians who want to work in secular entertainment. I am all supportive of Christians who wanna work in Christian work, that's great. But my calling is for Christians to be excellent in the secular entertainment industry, to build community, to pray for each other, and to be prayed for by the church on the outside, by Christians on the outside. It's been a slow going process. Oh my gosh. But I know it's right. I keep showing up every day and it's really been a joy. Wow, that's so amazing. So I read on the website, there's what, 10,000 people, like 10,000 Christians in Hollywood? Is that? Yes. We know of over 10,000 Christians now in Hollywood. There are 20 active ministries. There are churches that are full of creative professionals. We have Bible studies. We have prayer groups. We have networking groups. We have labs and seminars and things. All the different ministries are led by industry professionals, not by pastors who come in, but by people who live and work here. And it's an amazing growing community. Wow. Wow. That's so amazing. What do you think? I mean, you said it's been really slow going. What, what do you think has made it slow going? Spiritual battle. Wow. I believe the enemy understands how powerful Hollywood is. This is the most influential marketplace on the planet. We are sending, here's the interesting thing. LA is the city of angels. Angels are messengers. Messengers send out messages and Hollywood sends out messages every second of every day across the world. So the enemy doesn't want Christians here. The messages would change if more believers are here. And so if you see the history of Christians in Hollywood, we were part of the beginning of the film industry. Christians were in the beginning of the 1900s. And yet suddenly, as it started getting a little bit more provocative, everybody got scared and said, Christians have to leave. It's evil, you know. So we left. And then it got worse and it got darker because there was no light. And then we get mad at Hollywood and blame them for being so awful. And the fact is, it's our fault. Yeah. If there's no light in a place, it's going to be dark.
That's all there is to it. There's no blaming people who don't know the Lord. You can't make non-believers act like Christians. We all seem so surprised about that. And yet we should say, oh my goodness, if I feel like that place is dark or scary, why don't I go there or send other Christians there to bring love, to bring all the hope and joy of the good news? And so that's what we have been trying to do through the years, to say, don't get mad at Hollywood, don't hate them, but say, wait a minute, why don't I take personal responsibility and yeah. pray and then support young people who want to go there and then build up the community and then watch the Lord do his work there? Yeah. Wow, that is so powerful. That is so amazing. I love this. I'm just like, yes, yes, so good. That is so amazing. So I want to like jump into the story. One of my favorite stories that you tell, um, which is the time that you, and you'll have to tell me the headliner, the group you worked for um, specifically, but when you were given the opportunity to interview Hugh Hefner and yes. like how that was like a moment for you of like, Okay, like, you know, wow, this is this is different. I would love for you to share that story with us. Oh, that's so great. And I'll tell you how that's how why I like to tell that story. And that yeah. is sometimes Christians are afraid to come to Hollywood because they feel like it's going to be a moral choice moment by moment. Do I take that part? Am I involved in that show? Do I agree with the content of that script? And it is an ongoing conversation that we as Christians say is a part of our job here, but actually it should be an ongoing conversation with any Christian in any marketplace. There are businesses that challenge our faith. There are situations with other people who want us to do the wrong thing or who never think about what the right thing might be. So this is no different than other place. It's just heightened because it's so visible. So what we say to Christians is, don't be afraid. Come into Hollywood knowing where your line is that you need to draw, and then don't be afraid. Talk to other people, get prayer, take each day as it comes, and not, not think the Lord can't handle you in a situation that might be tough. Right. So that's how I started it. And then ironically, after I was preaching that for years, I get hired for a show and it's a, it was a show, I'm a producer. So I got hired for a show called Headliners and Legends with Matt Lauer. It was a celebrity profile show. It was um, an MSNBC show out of New Jersey and they decided to open an LA office. So the executive producer happened to know me and opened this team of 12 producers and I was one of them. We came into a room for the first meeting and we sat around and said, okay, we're each going to be paired up into teams. We're going to take three months to do each of us a celebrity profile where you end up with a one hour story of who this celebrity is. And we went around the room. We were all excited. And kind of a side note that's interesting is they asked us to bring in some names of people ahead of time. And I thought, oh my gosh, of all the people I brought in, I had this long list. One of them, just by chance, I had just read in Newsweek that the most famous person in the world at that time was Billy Graham. His name was more recognized than any other human being across the planet. And I thought, that's kind of an interesting celebrity profile. Well, the minute I brought that up in this room, they're like, Billy Graham, oh no. And the reasons were all hidden. They were like, he's too old. People don't know him, you know, all of this. So then they start, they start um, assigning names. And I was sitting next to this man I had never met before. And the executive producer turned to us first and said, okay, 
Karen and Rick, I'm, I'm teaming you up. And your first assignment is Hugh Hefner. I was so mad. First of all, he's as old as Billy Graham. So <laughs> it has nothing to do with it. And I thought, I don't like Hugh Hefner. He has objectified women. He stands against everything I believe in. I think he's, I think he's been a part of destroying the moral fabric of our country. You know, I had all these big reasons. So I go straight home and I tell my husband, Jim, I said, you're not gonna believe it. I was so excited for this job. And who do I get? Hugh Hefner. And he looked at me and he said, you know, you know that if you don't do it, somebody else will. So why don't you do it? And as a Christian, do it differently. And I thought, of course, what a brilliant idea. I'm not afraid. I just didn't want to celebrate all the bunnies and everything. Right. So I said, I said, all right, I'll take on that challenge. However, you got to pray because this Rick guy is, is my partner and I don't know where he's coming from. Sure. So I thought, okay, the next morning I went into the office and I said, Rick, I have to be honest with you. I did not want to do Hugh Hefner. And he looked at me, he goes, neither did I. Mm -hmm. And I said, you're kidding. What did you do? He said, well, actually, he said, I have to tell you, I went home and I called my pastor. <gasps> I said, no way. Interrupted. You didn't know he was a Christian? I had no idea. I thought I was the only Christian in the room. So I said, well, what did he say? And he said, Rick, if you don't do it, somebody else will. So why don't you do it and do it differently? And he thought, what a great idea, except there's Karen. I have to go back and ask her about it. We went crazy. We're like, oh my gosh, this is the divine appointment. We did learn we were the only two Christian producers in that room and we got Hugh Hefner. So we thought, okay, we're going to start praying. So we started praying. And what we came up with was we were not going to celebrate what he's accomplished. We were going to find out why he became who he is. So instead of interviewing all the people around him and the ones that hang out in his business and help with the magazine and the TV show and all of that stuff, we decided to talk to his family, his neighbors growing up the people who knew him as a child, finding out what his life was like, why he became this kind of this person. So we started our interviews. Nobody was getting was ready for the questions that we asked. Everybody loved these interviews. They loved talking about Hef as a, as a child and what they knew about him and what his quirks were. And, and we learned the most amazing things. But the last interview was Hef himself. And we had to, we wanted him to say these things that we've learned. So we lined up the last interview. We, I hired a Christian cameraman and sound man. The four of us got in the car together, praying our way to the Playboy mansion. We pulled up to the mansion. Suddenly the boulder at the gate talked to us and we talked back to the boulder and told him who we were and the gate miraculously opened and we started driving up this lane toward the mansion and there were yellow yield signs going up this driveway that said beware bunnies at play. And then there were wild animals. He had a zoo license and there were peacocks and flamingos and there was a zebra somewhere we didn't see and I mean it was just incredible and we pulled up to the library and walked in and he averaged one interview a day and he 
dedicated his beautiful library just to his interviews because he wanted to make it the way he wanted to. He knew you, we had no creative choices. There were X's on the floor where the camera went, the sound was already set up, everything was already ready. We just plugged it in and stood there and the entourage came in. And Hef was in his smoking jacket that I think he had a hundred of them because he just wore the same one all the time. He had some PR people. He had some bodyguards. I swear he had a hitman in the back. I don't know who the whole group was, but <laughs> it was really wild. And Rick asked the first question. We met everybody. They were lovely, sat down, and he sat next to a picture of himself as an adult holding a Raggedy Andy doll, like a little kid. It was so interesting. And I just saw that picture and he chose to put that in his frame. So we start, Rick asked the first question and literally this was his answer. And it went from here. He said, so Hef, what was your life like growing up? And he said, we believed in God, but it wasn't a very loving home. And then he goes on to say, my parents never told my brother or me that we loved us. And my mother had a phobia of germs and she never hugged us or kissed us. And he said, I never got a sense of love from my parents except one thing that they gave me. They gave me a blanket that I slept with, I carried around with during the day. It was my one sign of their love for me. And it was my bunny blanket. It had little bunny rabbits around the outside of the blanket. And he said, I just love that. And he said, I always wanted a puppy, but because of the germs, my mother would never give it to me. And he said, I remember when I was about seven or eight, my, I got a tumor that grew in my ear and I had to have surgery to remove it. And the doctor said to my mother, he might lose his hearing. So get ready for that. And he said, I remember listening to my mom talking on the phone with her best friend. And the friend said to her, he might lose his hearing, give him a puppy. And so his mother broke down, went to a pound, brought a puppy home, put it in a part of the house she never went into. And he got a puppy. And Hef said it was the greatest joy. He said, in fact, I loved it so much. I let it lie on my bunny blanket. He said, but what we didn't know is the puppy was sick. And five days later, it died. And he said, my mother came into the room. She had them take away the puppy. And then in front of me, she burned my bunny blanket. And he said, I guess I'm just a little kid still looking for love. And the interview went on to talk about, he, he's never fully experienced love. He's had bad marriages. He's had friendships that didn't go well. He's been seeking love. In fact, for years, he watched every Friday night at the mansion. He invited his closest friends to come and watch old romantic movies because he's trying to find the story that's true. And he listens to love songs and said, I'm seeking the lyrics to a love song that are really true. The whole interview was this way. And what we realized was here's a little boy who didn't have love. When he became an adolescent, it became a need for sex. When he got older, it was a business. And then it became an empire, all based on the broken heart of a little boy. So at the end of this interview, there was total silence in the room. 
No one knew what to say. And then suddenly his PR person said, well, that wasn't an interview. That was a therapy session. And we all started laughing. We, and we ended up and saying goodbye. And Hef comes straight to us and said to Rick and myself, that was my favorite interview. I've never been asked questions like that before. I love talking about those things. And we just stood there thinking there's an answer to prayer right there. He was so excited about the questions we asked him. He said everything we needed to say. We built an episode upon a boy that never had love. We, we did it to the point where MSNBC made us put a few more pictures of bunnies in because it didn't have enough for them. And, and after the interview, I wrote him a letter and I said, have thank you so much for the opportunity to interview you. you. You made me realize that you have everything the world says there is to offer. You've experienced everything that man wants, except one thing. You know a living God, but you have never experienced a loving God. And I said, that's the thing I want you to achieve. And in the letter, I sent a book by the, by the apologist Ravi Zacharias called Can Man Live Without God? And I sent it to him. And I thought, you know what? That's all I can do. I can't hear from him again, but I just wanted to thank him. Two weeks later, I get a letter back. Karen, thank you so much for the book and for the letter. I do have a faith. A lot of people don't agree with it, but I look forward to reading the book. I thought, this is a miracle. I'm so grateful. Three months later was Christmas. I got a Bible. I put his name on the front. I had it stamped on the front of a leather Bible. I sent it to him for Christmas and said, Hef, just thinking of you. And I wanted to give you this for Christmas. I got a letter back. Thank you. That was still my favorite interview. Thank you for the book. I will look forward to reading it. Three months after that, he was speaking at the TV Academy. So I invited a friend of mine who's a Christian with me. And I said, let's just go check in with him. I've been praying for him. I want to see how he's doing. And we walk in. Now, this is six months after the interview. Right. We see the, the TV Academy. We listen to him talk. We go backstage afterwards. He looked at us. He came right to me and said, my favorite interview. He remembered it. It's miraculous with all the interviews he has. So we hugged, we talked. And then my friend said to him, you know, Hef, I've never heard you speak before. And I was very moved by you today. She said, thank you. But I think there's something you have not experienced. And he said, what? And she said, Grace. Mm. And he looked at her and he said, my mother's name was Grace. Oh, <laughs> I'm like crying over here again. <laughs> And there was silence. And then all those people came up and we said goodbye and we left. And on the way home, I said, this is miraculous. It was, and then I would tell people through the years about the experience when I speak at different places. I have had people literally come up to me and say, I watched that episode and we knew there were Christians behind that show. I, I just think, Lord, you are so amazing. It wasn't me. I didn't want to do it. No, it Rick. wasn't Rick. He didn't want to do it. But we were faithful. We were not afraid. And we said, use us, Lord. And that's what I want to empower other Christians to do. Yeah. Wow. Karen, oh my goodness. I'm like tearing up over here. That is the most incredible story. Like that is so beautiful. I heard you tell that story one time and I was like, oh my goodness. Like I, that's, I mean, that could not be further, like, I don't know, for me, a lot of times God does like all like teach something. And then he's like, now I'm gonna, now we're gonna workshop that out in your life. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's very humbling because it's easy to tell someone else, but to live it out yourself. Oh my goodness. <laughs> How long ago was that? How many years ago was that? Oh, I think about 15 years ago. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. So that's my favorite story I've heard from you, but what is, what are some of your favorite stories of like Jesus showing up in Hollywood? I mean, that's for sure. Like has to be a top 10 for you, but like, I'd love to just hear like some of your favorite stories of like Jesus just showing up in the most unexpected ways here in Hollywood. Oh my gosh. To tell all of them, we'd have to have like an eight hour session, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick one. Yeah. And that is, Years ago, my husband and I were reading Daily Variety and on the cover was a story about a young couple, producer, director team who were married, who made movies. And it was saying how young they are and how their movies do so well. Well, we're reading this and we're saying, those movies are totally unnecessary. They're all R-rated, straight to DVD. They were, you know, they all had sex and silly stories and everything. We did not agree with that kind of filmmaking. However, we were intrigued by this young couple and we decided to be their friends. So we tracked them down. We got to know them. They were lovely people. We became good friends with them. We hung out, we went to dinner together. One crazy night we went to dinner and I was so rushed to get to dinner. I literally put on two different shoes. And while we were walking, I was walking uneven and I looked down and that we laughed so hard. I said, you guys, I was so excited to go to dinner with you. I put two different shoes on tonight. It was so funny. So we had great times with them. And then suddenly they were doing their next movie and they came to Jim to write the music for their score because that's what he does. Yeah. And he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do that kind of movie. It's the type of thing where he said, oh no, they're good friends of ours. What do we do? You know, we're not there to just get work. We're there to just love them, you know? So we said, we have to sit down and talk to them. We went, it was on a Friday, I'll never forget. And we sat down, we said, you guys, you know, we love you. We want to keep spending time with you. We have a great time with you. But Jim said, I have to turn down your offer to use me on your film. He said, I am not judging you. I, you do whatever you guys want to do. But for me, I feel like I have to stand before God someday. Mm -hmm. And I want to know that every choice I've made pleases him. And I have trouble with movies where I see images that aren't good for me. I'm a married man. I have a young child at the time. And he said, so I want to make sure the things that I watch are things that are uplifting and building me up and not things that would lead me astray. And he said, that's, that's the only reason why I'm not saying anything against you guys, but this just isn't the, the right, the best project for me. Well, he got mad. How dare you tell us our movie isn't good enough? She started crying. I can't believe you've done that. She said, I have never met anybody who's turned down work ever. I, I don't even know what to say or how to respond. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. And we just tried to show them how much we love them. Please don't take it personally. We even have names of other composers we can recommend. I mean, that was not the problem. And when we finally left, we drove home and we were very sad. We said, you know, I think we've lost some friends here. And all along the way with our friendship, our purpose was praying for them, getting them to know Jesus, getting them to see the joy of what our life is, you know. And this was hard because we thought, Lord, we prayed so much for these people and this is what it came to, you know. Well, Monday morning, I get a call from her. I did not expect it. 
And I said, hey, how are you? And she said, well, I spend all weekend walking around the house asking, am I a moral person? Hmm. And she said, I realize you two have something that I don't have and I want to find out about it. Would you tell me what makes you different? Hmm. And I said, well, it's God. And she said, yeah, I know. Would you tell me about him? Hmm. So we started getting together and she became a Christian. Wow. And their lives changed. And it was all because we said no. Wow. Wow. That's so powerful. And that's almost like the complete opposite of the story you just told us about Hef. Yes. There you go. I never thought of that. Oh my gosh. This was a situation that we didn't feel was right. Right. The other was a situation we did feel was right. But with both of them, we weren't afraid. And that's the thing. If you, if anybody makes decisions out of fear, it won't be good. Right, 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 right. Well, I told you, I told you, you know, when I first got here seven years ago, I was terrified, not really for those same reasons. I just struggled with fear in general, but um, I got one of your prayer partners with the Hollywood Prayer Network and her last name was Fears. I'm going to deliver this girl from her fear. Cause like, she can't go in doing anything like with all this fear that she carries. So, oh my gosh, I know. I just think that's so powerful. And that's such a good, like example of where it's not like you come in with a formula, like, okay, I'm a Jesus person. So I have to do so and so and so and so you come that's- in because Jesus is like our best friend. He's our King. He's so many things to us. He's our everything, but like like seeking him and asking him, Hey God, in this situation, that's I do. You are so wise. That's what I want everybody to understand. We have to know I won't sell out just to get work or out of desperation or out of what they'll think of me or out of fear. But I want each situation for the Lord to say to me, you know what? This is right for you. This one I will replace. Don't worry about that. This one. And as we walk with him and talk with him and seek him out and keep our eyes on him, we have an amazing freedom to live an abundant life free of all the all the hindrances that come with fear or confusion or lack of confidence. And that makes our journey so exciting. Yeah, no, it's so true. That's the best part. I'm like, I don't want to do anything without you, God. Like, you know, I don't even care what I end up doing, but I just want to do it like with him because he knows best. He's smart, right? He like, he is. Oh my gosh, way smarter than I am. Way (laughs) smarter, way smarter. I know he's so amazing. That's so cool. That's so cool. Um, Well, I've only been here seven years and I've experienced what I find to be some interesting spiritual warfare. So I'm curious as a veteran, as someone who's been here for 40 years, has probably come up against way crazier things than I have. How do you handle it, Karen? How do you overcome? Like, how do you, like, how do you do that? Well, I love that question because it took Jim and I a few years to figure it out. When we started our prayer group, um, we found out, and it took us too long, I think, to really realize it, that each month before the prayer group, we'd either get mad at each other or we'd be, we'd be really angry or we'd be tired or something would happen to the house or our car would, we'd get in a car accident. I mean, something every single month. And suddenly we went, wait a minute, this is not a coincidence. So we literally had people come to our house and pray through and break through any 
thing that would stop us. We prayed up before each time we would get together and do that. Then we started learning. I come from a background where I had no understanding of spiritual battle. So this was new to me and I had to start figuring it out. And it wasn't that I'd get a flat tire. It was usually dividing relationships. It was usually emotions. It was usually something that would, that would keep me from being strong enough spiritually and emotionally to handle it, you know, whatever it would take that Jim says, you know, if you get a flat tire, that's the, that's the third law of thermodynamics that that's just life but spiritual battle is dividing people. Hmm. And so through the years, we learned that Los Angeles, first of all, is the city of orphans. People come here, they're very alone. They're very isolated. They are here for three reasons usually. One is to start again, to leave behind a bad past and start again. A second one is to re- um, identify themselves, to start with a new image, to try to be a new person. The third one is to try to get the affirmation they never got from their father. So those three things make this a tough spiritual battle in this city. And, and thinking through that and what people go through, we realize there are three things the enemy really attacks us with as Christians here. And I try to encourage people to know when new Christians get here, they all hit the wall. You just hit the wall. What did I do? Why am I here? I'll never make a living. I made a mistake. I've lost my mind. I mean, everybody goes through that. So I say, you're in great company. Don't worry about it. Then what people start seeing is wearing down from three things. The enemy attacks us with getting us isolated, getting us discouraged, and filling us with fear. Isolation, discouragement, and fear are the three main uh, fiery darts of the enemy for Christians in Hollywood. So what I tell people is to avoid the isolation, you have got to get in community. You must have a church. You must have a small group. You have to have a prayer group. You have to have people praying for you. You have to stop the isolation strategically. The second thing for the discouragement, you need a group of people to pray for you. When you feel discouraged, talk to other people. When you start realizing everybody feels that way, you can laugh about it. You can go, okay, here I go again. I'm feeling useless. I'm feeling like this will never happen, but I'm with people who understand and it's better. And the fear, you need people around you to say, do not make a decision in fear. Mm -hmm. You have a God who is so big that you walk in confidence. You have to be around people to remind you not to be worn down by the enemy. And so the spiritual battle is real. It's powerful, but the ways of the enemy are not stronger than God. So if we put him first, we get in community. We, I tell people, you have to memorize scripture. You have to really spend time with the Lord and then we can overcome the spiritual battle. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's so true. And I, you know, I feel like the Lord's been teaching me is like, it's, it's not faith that casts out fear. It's love, right? The Bible says that love, perfect love casts out fear. And so it it makes sense that people come to the city looking for love. looking for affirmation like you said that maybe they didn't get they they come here looking for that love to be loved to be admired to be seen you know and and they are literally looking for love and so it makes sense that they would struggle with fear 
Well, and you see that in the world's eyes, that love they think will come from getting their name on the credits. Exactly. Creating a project that will last beyond them. They, they try to get the love to get the status of being important. Right. People literally come and say, I want to be a famous actor. The right. minute I hear the word famous, I know there's trouble. Right. Because that will not fill us up. No. I, I know people who get an, I've, I've talked to people, they get an Academy Award and they say to me, wow, is this all there is? Yeah. It's not with joy. It's not filling them up. It leaves them even emptier than they were before. And we don't understand that man's ways will not give us that love. Right. No, that's so true. And I've talked to a lot of people about that. People that have reached this like level of success. And they're like, I thought when I got here, then I would feel love. Kind of even like Hugh Hefner, you know, he's like, absolutely got here when I had all these bunnies or, you know, I don't know a ton about what he does, but like when I had all this, then I would feel loved. Yet he sat across from you and said like, I'm still looking for love. That's crazy, but like really, really powerful. You know, I have to share this little nugget about Hugh Hefner. So um, a friend of mine uh, literally met Jesus in a closet at the Playboy Mansion stories like that and I've heard more so tell me about it what happened yeah I mean it's it's their story so I, I want to be careful but I mean it's just to me so powerful that like you guys came in there with the love of Jesus 15 years ago this happened more like five years ago and like I don't know to me it's just so powerful she yeah she worked there not as a bunny but like in their media production or something uh -huh. and you know, the Lord was just after her and, and, and yes. ended up having this conversation with a, like a mentor of hers um, in a closet and literally received Jesus in a closet to play with. Oh, oh my that, God, I love that. I and the other story, Lindsay's that I've heard are crazy. I mean, there was a friend of ours who said they shared Jesus with Hef right before he died. Someone else said, I went week after week watching these movies and my wife and I would just pray for him because he was a friend of ours and we were Christians. He had Christians all around him. We each were just a part of a bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little, just a little, yeah. Seed that God was like, do, 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 do. so cool. Yes. That is so cool. I just love that. That's so amazing. Oh, that's so fun. Karen, you're such a wealth of knowledge. Like you just have so much you're doing and it's so oh. exciting. How did you guys get here, Karen? Like, oh, I mean, cause you came to school here. Did you grow up in LA? No, I grew up in Chicago. And I was from a very creative home. My mom had been an actress. My dad had been a singer. My, my oldest sister now is the, is the head of the graduate acting department at NYU. And so we are all very in the arts. And I came out to LA for USC and I just stayed. And then my husband, Jim, grew up in the Air Force. So he would, uh, was all over the South and ended up in San Diego and then came to USC for um, music composition. And so we just said, this is what we want to do. We didn't say as Christians, I want to make a difference there. We literally just wanted to be creative with our craft and live our life as believers. Yeah. And so what we found was that holistically, we could be creative and try to be excellent at what we do along with serving God and loving other people. And it's, it, it's not one or the other, or it's not one better than the other. It's just who we are. So we have always found a great joy in doing both. Wow, that is so fun. That is so amazing. And you guys have stayed here for 40 years. I mean, so many yes. people come and go, but you've 
you're here. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest questions that we get from young people is, can you actually be a Christian and live in Hollywood and raise a family? And we say, yes, we have two extraordinary young sons. Well, they're not young. They're both working in the industry now. We have a loving family. We've been married 37 years. We literally just get great joy out of being believers in a city and an industry where we do what we love to do. We use the gifts God's given us and we just keep our eyes on him along the way. Yeah, that is a, that is a huge question. I hear from a lot of people that are like, well, when I get married, you know, I don't want to raise a family here. You hear that so much. And I feel like God called me here and I'm probably not going anywhere. You know, so I'm like, like, is that, the things I'm so glad there are people like you that are like, nope, it's possible. We've done it. And uh, yes. And I want to, I want to build a community of what I call the remnant of the Christians who feel like you do, Lindsay, who say, you know what? There are people who can go anywhere and share their faith and love the Lord. But there are people who are called to a certain people group and it's a lifelong commitment. And those are the people I get excited about saying, let's all hang in there together. Let's be here and go through the hard times, through the good times, through the boring times, through the unbelievable times, and know that this is our people group. This is our city. This is our, our marketplace. And we get to do it together. And I love that. I love that. That's so encouraging. That is so fun. This has been such a great conversation, Karen. So, okay. We've talked a lot about the Hollywood Prayer Network, which I love, but you do so many other things. Like you've got a, you've got a production company. Your husband is a, is a music or a, sorry. Composer, yeah. <laughs> He's a composer. Um, and then your sons are in, in the industry. So can you tell us a little bit more about that side? Yes. Well, I love producing. I, whatever I can do, I produce specials and documentaries. I'm very involved actively at the Producers Guild. Um, I went into my first meeting at the Producers Guild after living at home with a fabulous composer and actor and writer, and they're all very, um, you know, they're very creative. And then I go into a meeting with producers, bottom line, let's have a goal. Let's have, let's get something done. Let's raise the money. And I think I'm with my people. (laughs) So I, I love it. I have so much fun with them. And I am now um, packaging a uh, project based on a true story that uh, we have been pursuing as a feature, but I just got an opportunity with the producer to turn into a six part limited series. So we are developing it that way. I'm finding great joy out of it. I am um, pursuing a children's story based on my own personal experience that I found an illustrator for, and I found the writer for the book. And I am reading other books of projects that get me excited. I handle the business part of Jim's um, music composition business because he's the artist. He does all the creative stuff. I will never write a, mo- a note of music. It blows me away. Um, so I, I love doing all of that. And we have a very active home. Our sons live in, um, in another part of the city together. And my 93-year-old mom lives with me and Jim. So we care for her. We um, take care of her. It's just a, a wonderful, active, crazy life that we love. Wow, that's so amazing. That's so cool. So um, with your, like with producing, not everybody who listens to this podcast understands like the Hollywood talk. And before I got here, I had I came from corporate America. So I was like, 
I don't understand like, you know, what a producer is. Can you tell us a little bit more about like what a producer means, what they do, like what that, that is here in the entertainment industry? Well, it's a good question because it's one of the hardest roles to define and because there are different kinds of producers. For instance, on a television series, the producer is actually the writer who then runs the writer's room, gets the other writers to write it, make sure it's on budget, on time and such like that. So that's a TV, uh, they call them showrunners. Then there are executive producers. Executive producers handle the money. They either give the money, raise the money, find the money. That's their job. There are line producers in film. They're the ones who get they get the, the budget from the executive producer and they have to hire the crews. They have to make sure that the, the um, whole staff is in place. They're making sure everything's on budget, on time. It's, then there are creative producers who find ideas and get and package and develop a project. So the role of a producer is really hard to define. Wow. We have, in fact, the Producers Guild laid out all the different types of producers in a document that we have online for people who ask that very good question, what the heck is a producer? And so I have fallen into different categories. I've been an executive producer. I have been a line producer and I'm now a creative producer. So I just, bottom line is the producer makes sure the project gets done from beginning to end. Hmm. Okay, that's cool. And it's the overall visionary who sees the different parts, makes sure everybody's doing their job and makes it happen. Wow. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. No, I've, I've heard some of that before, but I just thought it'd be neat for you to like really define what that is. So do you have a fit? I mean, I feel like you do a lot of things and you know how some people say like you have to do one thing and do it well, but it sounds like you do a lot of things really well. Like, is there like a secret to your sauce or like, (laughs) well, I wish, you know, it's funny because when I was a junior in college, I was trying to decide what I was going to do with my life my life after college and I said to the dean of my department he he said so what are you going to what are you going to do when you get out of college and I said oh I don't know I said I feel like I'm good at a lot of things but I'm not great at any one thing and he said my dear that's the definition of a producer and that's how I became a producer. I, I started a producing major then. They didn't have one in the department. And I said, I'm going to be a producer, darn it. And I'm going to get a degree in it. And so I created a, a theater producing degree because they didn't have one. So I do do a lot of things, but I don't do any of them great. I get other people to do all the, all the good stuff. <laughs> and you're so humble. That's not true. <laughs> The things I've been a part of, I'm like, this is amazing. But I know what you mean by like getting, like getting the right people on the bus, right? Like execute it. Like, okay. Like you come up with the vision, you come up with the idea and then you put the right people on the bus and get it going. And let them use their gifts and soar. You know, I love that. I love getting someone who's better at it than I am to go do it. And that makes me really happy. I love doing that. You're so encouraging. You're like the most encouraging. And I do love your marriage, just coming to your events and like seeing how you and your husband love each other. It's really powerful, Karen. It's like really, really powerful. 
He is the best. He counts the days we've been married. You ask him any day and he knows. It's, it's, just, it's just incredible. We're up to 13,592 or something like that. I mean, it's just wild. He's so good at that. And we, we make sure we laugh every day. We, uh, he's my best supporter. It's, it's just a joy. And that's another thing I found. I had no idea that would be a part of our ministry. But so many people have just experienced bad marriages that we have been given the ultimate joy of just saying to people, don't give up hope. It is possible. We have such a deep love for each other. And it's not us. We're both a piece of work, you know, but it's just God giving, giving us the grace and the strength to say we can't, we can't do it alone. We are, we're better together than we are separately. Wow. That is, that's so powerful in LA, Hollywood. I mean, just even like on the magazines, you see how marriages, you know, kind of get a little wrecked up here in the city and y'all just being like a, just a healthy, like family is such a, such a ministry, you know, to people here and especially to Christians. So, wow, this has been so amazing. I'm just so like, I felt like God's like, just ask Karen. And I'm like, but she's so amazing. I don't know. And I did. This has been so, so, so fun. Is there anything that like our listeners could maybe get involved in? Like, I, are you looking for prayer partners? Can you tell us more about that or? Oh, I'd love it. Yes. The Hollywood Prayer Network, it would be a joy to have more people know about it. One of the things that that I finished at the end of last year that's been a great joy to me is I, I put together a devotional called Hollywood, Jesus, and You. And it's a 365-day devotional that we can build our own faith. We can focus on God each day, but we can also learn how to pray for Hollywood. So that's available on our website. It's really fun to have done. And it's something I can offer to people to say, this is my vision to grow in my own faith and to support the Hollywood entertainment industry, that I see it as the world's most influential mission field. Yeah, me too. We also have other parts of the prayer network that I love. We do have prayer partnerships where we want Christians outside of Hollywood to be willing to pray for one Christian inside of Hollywood as their media missionary. We always need more prayer partners, especially men, but Anybody can go on our website at hollywoodprayernetwork.org and just click join us or go to prayer and find out about the prayer partnerships. We have so many other things. We have a bi-weekly call sheet we send out with how to be praying for Hollywood that week. We have a kids and teen prayer calendar online that's updated every month to get kids to know how to be praying for the people they're watching and listening to. We have local chapters all over the world, 148 of them in 36 different countries and in cities all over America where you can say, wow, if I live in Iowa, is there a local chapter director here? And if so, you can connect to them. If not, get a hold of us and we'll help you start your own. You know, it's anything that can just spread the vision that God's greatest act was creation. He loves creative people. He speaks through storytelling. Jesus was the best storyteller of all time. And as Christians, we have to support the storytellers. Yeah. And so join us and do that and pray for us. And we can pray for you and we can build community. And it just gives me joy. Oh my goodness. That is so powerful. I did not know that you had all these chapters around the world. That's amazing. Yes, well, we I've been a recipient of your prayer, of your prayer partners. And, and I told you this before we jumped on the call, but I just have to give a little testimony. 
yeah, I was like looking for housing. It was getting really intense. Like it was, I didn't know it was going to happen. And my prayer, my current prayer partner, she said to me, Lindsay, like she'd been praying and like things had fallen through and it was just getting a little stressful and, or a lot stressful. And she said to me on a Friday, she goes, I declare it's this weekend that you will get your place. And Karen, it was Saturday that I found my place. I mean, like this woman she is so in tune with the Holy Spirit. I'll be going through this rough thing and she'll just pop into my Facebook messenger. How's it going, Lindsay? And I'm like, girl, you hear from the Lord, you know? So I just want to thank you. Oh my word, what's happening? Okay. And you know that when funny things happen on this podcast, we just laugh about it and move That's on. That's right. <laughs> Karen, I cannot thank you enough for your time. I know you are a busy woman and I'm just really thankful and honored that you would come on. And I would love to just wrap it up by having you pray for our audience. Just how I would feel led. That'd be amazing. Oh, thank you, Lindsay. Thank you for having me, for taking the time to get me to be able to, to just tell my heart to all your listeners. I hope they're encouraged and I'm so grateful for what you do. You have to keep showing up, girl. Oh, so one day at a time, one day at a time. (laughs) That's it. One day. Oh my gosh. One day at a time. Yes. Lord, I thank you so much for this time. Thank you for Lindsay. Would you fill her up to overflowing new and fresh right now with your Holy Spirit to give her a hope that will not disappoint her, to give her a confidence in you that will be overflowing to other people and to let her see the incredible gifts and talents you've given her that she can celebrate and use and give you the glory by by using and by helping and reaching out to other people. I thank you for the people listening and I ask that they're encouraged that you are alive and active in Hollywood, that you know what's going on here and you are thrilled to have your your followers be a part of it. I thank you for this podcast and for our day and I pray a blessing on all the listeners in Jesus name, amen. Amen, thank you, Karen. This was so fun and I can't wait to come to the next event and Oh, love your stories. They're like, oh my gosh, they're legendary. So we all need to run out and get that book because I bet that's really a good book. <laughs> Thank you, Lindsay. And bless you, Karen. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well now, wasn't that fun? See you next week, guys, as we explore another fascinating story of Jesus in Hollywood with your host, Lindsay Morgan Snyder. And for more from Lindsay, check out lindsaymorgan.co, where she coaches high-capacity, dynamic individuals called to entertainment and Hollywood in the areas of biblical self-love, self-acceptance, and connection with themselves and God. This is Nathan Madden, and as always, it's been a pleasure.